Okay, today's daf is Kiddushin Chaf Bet, Kiddushin 22. Kiddushin 22, we pick up on Kaf Alpha Bet. We're a little behind. We pick up from the two dots, um, about eight lines from the top, and we're on to the next section of the Mishnah. Mishnah is talking about how you acquire an Evid Ivri, and, um, and here we move on to uh, the Nirza, um, the Evid Ivri who's going to stay forever, or uh, till the Ovel. The Nirza Nikna so the one who has this ear pierced is acquired through the piercing of the ear. Um, that's, and then he works until the Ovel. So the Ksiv, the Targumar says, Ratzadonavas says, No, Bermarsea, fine, that's a Pasuk. Okay, the Konasatsmu Yovel Misasadon, and acquires himself through the Yovel and the death of the master. Um, so, the Ksiv, Vavado, Velo Esabain, Velo Esabas. So this Yovel is in the Pasuk. How do we know that the Nirza does not continue working, uh, gets free when the master dies? Because it says, Vavado, serve him. Velo Esabain, Velo Esabas. Okay, and not the son and not the daughter. So, so when he dies, when the master dies, he goes free. This is different than for six years. Six years is more like a schirus. So the schirus, like, you know, hired worker. So that even does continue working for the son and daughter, although for the son, I should say, although not for when it's not a direct inheritance by the son, if it goes to any other relative, not. Um, but but by the uh, Nirza, uh, goes free when the master dies. Um, there's a sense of total ownership, so there's also a sense of the death frees him. It's less a sense of schirus. Um, and so, in that, so, so that's specific by the Nirta as opposed to six years. And forever, meaning until the Yovel, he also goes free during the Yovel. Ramban points out that it's not that the drush is not Laola means Yovel. That's what it's forced to mean because of the Pasuk, explicit Pasuk by Yovel. That's how we know he goes free, because there's an explicit Pasuk in Bahar that says he goes free when you have the Yovel. Okay, so that's how we know the Evadivi goes free in those, in those two ways. Now we're going to look at the idea of piercing the ear. Tanur Baran, Marzea. Okay, you should pierce his ear with a Marzea, a piercer, an awl or something. Ainly Ella Marzea, I only know an awl. Minayin the Rabbah's Hasul, the Hasira, excuse me, Hasul, the Hasira, the Machat, the Miktach. How do I know to include all of these things? Okay, so um, a sul, Rashi says, is like a, a, a piece of wood. Um, a sira is a thorn. Um, machad is, an, is, is a, a needle. And makdech is a, uh, I don't know, some other type of a piercing tool. Okay, how do you know all of these things? So, um, so v'amichtav, uh, uh, and something that presumably you would uh, write, write, write through, like a, 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 a stylus. So how do you know all these things also work? Tamad lamar v'lakach v'lakach. Um, and you shall take. Okay, Lerabos called davar shenikach biad. Anything that can be taken by the hand works. It doesn't have to be hamartze. It doesn't have to be limited to hamartze. It's not exactly clear what else the pasuk could have said. Maybe it should have started with the word hamartze of Anyway, somehow they're learning from that to be more inclusive. Divi Reb Yosef, Reb Yehuda. That's Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda said. Reb Yomer, hamartze miyuchat shamateches. The same way hamartze is specifically of metal. Af kol shamateches. It has to be metal. You one of the, some of the things mentioned above were wood. That's not good. It has to be metal. Okay, and we'll see below what they're exactly debating, how broadly or expansively to read the, um, the more generalization of the Pasuk. The Martseya, to include even a large Martseya. 
what exactly the point is about that. Not exactly clear. What is the big matzah? Also not clear. But anyway, we'll see about that in a minute. I'm Rebbe Lezer. Yudan Berebi. Said Rebbe Lezer, Yudan. Rashi says that's the name of his place. Berebi means that he was a, a, a prestigious person. Um, hi, uh, hi, uh, I'm, excuse me. I'm Rebbe Lezer. Excuse me. I put the comment in the wrong place. I'm Rebbe Lezer. Yudan Berebi. Um, Yudan, this, this important personage by the name of Yudan, Hayadoresh Kashain Rotinin Rotinella Bimilsa. When they, um, or the, some have the gears of Bimilas, bim, um, when they do the piercing, they do it in the lobe hanging down from the ear, not in the actual, um, you know, sort of uh, skin of the ear itself, um, car, the cartilage or whatever. I don't know the act terms. The Chachamim disagree. They say, and they're going to disagree because we have a tradition. The tradition is that you don't pierce the ear of, uh, you can't do Ritzia for a Kohen who's an Evadivri because you'll make him a Balmum. Okay, now, if that's a tradition, and we know that that's the halacha, then that teaches us that the hole is not made in the lobe, because if you have a hole in the lobe, like you would do for an earring, he wouldn't become a balmum. It's only when it's in the actual sort of uh, flesh of the ear itself. So, and if they do it in the lobe, he wouldn't become a balmum. So since we have a teaching that you don't do it for a coin because it would make him a balmum, then that it must be that you do it, uh, you know, in the sort of the, 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 uh, the skin of the ear itself, not the lobe that hangs down. Only in the height of the ear. Okay, so that's that debate. Now, um, Ramban says that that actually the um, that, that a little bit plays off of the idea of hamartzea, the big this big all, because even when a coin has a hole in his ear, he's not a balmum unless it's a certain size. So once we introduce the idea of hamartzea that you can use a a big all, so then that led to the statement that oh wait a minute, if it's a big all, that would make him a balmum. How do you if it was a coin? How do you deal with that? So the first response was Rebbe Lezer said that this Yudan Berebi said, oh okay, then it must be since he has the potential of becoming a balmum, since we mentioned this big martzea, it must be that you do it in the lobe of the ear. And the Chachamim say no, actually you don't do it for a kohen because he will be a balmum, and that proves that you do do it in the place where he can become a balmum. You do do it in the ear itself. Okay. Now the Gemara is going to go back to the debate about whether you can include wood or it has to be metal. Um, um, what is the debate of Rebbe and the Chachamim? Um, that Rebbe says that the, you know, that Rebbe says um, it has to be metal. Uh, Rebbe Darish Klaliuprati. Rebbe, Rebbe adopts the uh, hermeneutic principle of Klal and Prat. What's that principle? Vilakachta Klal. Marzea Prat. Bazno Ubadelet Chozer so Valakachta is a general statement. Again, not clear what else it could have said. Marce is a specific. The Aznobadelt, the ear and the door, Chazrikla, that's a general statement. Again, I know how it's a general statement. It's not even talking about the object being used. But okay. And the principle is general, specific, general. So that leads you to say that the real halacha is anything similar to the specific. Um, similar to the specific. In the same way, the all is of metal, so therefore anything of metal. So how do we know metal, but only metal? Because the word, you know, marzea is a metal, is a metal piercing item, and the claw product claw principle tells us to generalize it to similar, similar meaning of metal. Okay? Now, 
the general way Klal Prat or Klal works the following, is that if you have just two, Klal and Prat or Prat and Klal, you go by the last one. Klal is a general statement, which would mean anything. Prat would, is, a, is specific. You're being parate, like you're being identifying and listing. I'm going to enumerate. Right? That's what Prat means, lifarate. So therefore, if I make a general statement and then I'm specific, in the end, I'm left with the specific thing. You know, um, you know I say to my wife, my wife, my wife tells me to go to the store and buy something for dinner. I say, like, like what should I get? She says, uh, you know, anything, uh, chicken. Okay, so then it means chicken. You know, she started being general. Just get something for dinner. What should I get? Chicken, you know, get something for dinner. Chicken. So you're left with the specification. Now, if it's the reverse order, if it's prat and klau, then you're left with the general. Hey, you know, hey, Dove, would you go to the store and get some chicken for dinner? You know, anything, really. Any, anything's fine. So then you're left with the more general. You start with a specific, but then you broaden it. Okay. It's only when you have klau, prat, and klau that you're duke'ena prat. You know, what should I get? You know, go get, go get you know, something for dinner. What should I get? Anything. Oh, chicken. Anything. So by there, I figure out that, like, she doesn't want me to go ahead and get, you know, uh, we're not having a vegetarian dinner. I could maybe get some beef. I could maybe, maybe fish is a possibility. But the, so a klal and a prat by themselves, general specific, you're left with the second one. Whereas general specific, general, the message is similar to the specific. That's the principle of klal, prat, or klal, so it would have to be metal. Okay, that's the claw product claw principle. Let's take a look at the other approach. Rebiosi darish ribuyumiut. Rebiosi's hermeneutic principle is not general and specific. It's expanding and contracting. Okay, to 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 add or to or to or to limit. To expand or to limit. Ribuyumiut. Um, where are we? Rebiosi dark ribu mute, Velakarta riba, Marzea miate, Bazno Badella, Chosova riba. Obviously, they're looking at the same words, but the question is are we calling it general and specific, or are we calling it expanding and contracting? Riba miu riba, riba hakol. When you have a riboy miut and riboy, when you have this this expanding, contracting, expanding, same thing as before, but we're, we're framing them differently, in the end, you're left with pretty much anything. My rabbi, what are you including? Rabbi Komili, everything. My mi'et, what are you, what are you excluding? Mi'et sam, using something that's not a piercing tool with like through, through pressure, through a point, but you know, burning it with acid, that is completely different and therefore that's being excluded. So what is the difference here for the hermeneutic principle? Because here we're not looking at it as like general and specific, we're looking at it as like expanding and contracting. If I say an expansive statement, anything, anything. Then if I say, no, chicken, okay, that's not, I'm not being specific about what I meant when I said anything. I'm, I'm, I'm limiting the scope, okay? It's a limiting word. I start with everything and then I'm limiting it. So I'm limiting it to say, you know, things, chicken and things like chicken. That's using that example as a way to contract that expansiveness, all right? But it's not meant to be specific. Okay? It's not a prot. It's a meat. Um, again, same word, just because of how you understand it. Okay, so by the time, riboy and meat, and, and um, you know, riboy and meat gets you to where claw prado claw gets you. It's one step ahead. So by the time you get to the meat, to the mute, chicken, you're already anything like chicken, which makes sense. Why would you have said an expansive and then a, why would you have said anything if you only meant chicken? So rather than seeing it as an interpretation and a specification, what you have is you have a 
contracting. So if you had just said, Riboy and Mir, the Lakarta Marzea, I would have said, okay, anything metal like Marzea. Then it's Chose of Riboy, you know, Riba, Baznova, Delet, that's expanding again. Okay, so it's like it's we're expanding and really saying almost anything. So what is the point of the contracting word? To say, as long as it's not totally different from this middle case. What would be totally different from this? Something like acid. That would be totally different. But it doesn't have to be similar to the middle, because the middle isn't a specification. The middle is only a contracting. Expanding, contracting, expanding, you're left with anything but what is most dissimilar. Okay. Fine. So that's how you get that debate. That's important general to hermeneutic principles. Okay. Okay. Ribaka. Okay. Now, Amarmar. Hamartzea lahavi martzea gado. My mashma. How do you know hamartzea means the big one? Kedamarava hayerech hamiyumenes shabiyerech. So the same way we say, you know, there's an approach that the Gita Nasha is only in the right thigh because it says, you know, asher kaf hayerech. So it means ha the one, the the right one, the more important one. Right hand is seen as more important. So hachinami hamartzea miyuchet shabimartzim. Something big and important, significant. Okay. I don't know. They obviously had some tool that they had in mind when they were referring to this. Okay. I'm a rebelazer. I said rebelazer. You didn't be rebi hayadoresh kashain rotin in rotin elabimilsa. They would, he said that they would only do it in the, um, in the lobe, and that's how you would avoid balmum. No. Since the halacha is you don't do it to a kohen, it proves that you don't do it in the lobe, you do it higher up in the ear. Okay, so the Gemara says, Vyasa Balmum, where did that halacha come from? How do you know that you don't let a kohen become a balmum? Um, you know, there's an isra to make a ba- to make a mum and kudshin and sacrifices, but not for a kohen to be a baumum, although it disqualify to make it to do something that would make him a baumum, although it would disqualify him from the avoda. Um He shall return to his family, you know, when he goes free in the Yovel, into his chazak, into the status that he had before. So since this includes the evidivri that is near Tsar, right? That's the person who mostly would be I mean it's also six years, but the sense you get in the psukim by the Yovel as somebody that was going to be working forever and the Yovel came and freed him. Okay, so that's the, that's the Evadivi that's Nirza, and he goes back to his status. It must be that if it's a Kohen, that either if it's a Kohen, you don't do it in the height of the ear, that's Yudin Berebi's position, or you don't do it to a Kohen. Okay. Evadivi Kohen Ma'ashim Solo Rabbi Shifcha Knanis. All right, now that we're talking about a Kohen, and um, and that there you know might be uh, some limitations. So this is because of the drush. He has to go back to his status. What about other? Are there other limitations in terms of his behavior as an evidently? So we learned the principle that you know it's in the Torah. That his master can go ahead and um, and give him a a, a, a non Jewish slave in order to produce babies. Can he do it for a kohen? Why not? I mean, um, so so. It's a chiddush that the Torah allowed it. Normally, uh, there would be a prohibition for uh, a man to have sex with a, a, a non-Jewish slave, specifically based on the pasuk of Lo Ye Kadesh and Lo Ye Okay, so Lo Shna Yisrael. It wouldn't matter, you know. Once the Torah is allowing it, this uh, overriding this sister in this context, it wouldn't matter whether it's a Kohen or Yisrael. Odilma Shani Kohanim Maybe Kohanim are different because they have extra mitzvos, so. Therefore, maybe this is not allowed to kohan him. Now, it's not just they have extra mitzvos. I think specifically it's that they have things that more restrict the women that they can marry. Um, um, interestingly, the emphasis of the Torah is not about having sex. It's about 
being married to those women. Um, so, um, and here he's not exactly married to this Shifcha Knanis, um, but it's a pseudo-marriage. And one can certainly imagine, based on ways Chazal understand the general category of Zona, that this woman would fall under the category of Zona as well. So it's not exactly a marriage. Is she exactly a Zona or not? She's not Jewish. So, you know, the Torah is talking about, about, Kiddush, about when it's halachic Kiddushin and so on. But it's very close. So maybe that allowance would have been made to a Kohen. Okay. Rav Amar Mutter, it's permissible. Vishmuel Amar Asr, it's forbidden. Amalei Rav Nachman to Rav Anan. Said Rav Nachman to Rav Anan. Ki avisu beimar Shmuel. When you were in the house of Shmuel, presumably Rav Nachman was one who had told over this teaching of Shmuel, or he was there at the time. So he says, Be'is komdari italtalisu. You must have been playing with cards. Okay? You must have been on your iPhones. Okay? That's Rashi says it means cards. The Aruch says it means like you, like you, were, you were playing with the puppies or something. Like, you must have been distracted. You weren't paying attention, because it can't be that Shmuel said it, or Shmuel said it, he should have been challenged. Why? My taima, my taima lo teimule. Why didn't you say back to Shmuel meha that Shmuel can't be right that that it's forbidden to kohanim? How do you know? That you don't do a kohen, an evet kohen, an evet who is kohen isn't nirta because it'll make him a balmum. But if we were to hold that an Evadivi Kohen would not be able to have a Shifcha Knanis, and that would even be during the first six years, typically, you should be able to figure out that he can't become a Nirtsa, not because of the Balmum issue, but because because you have to do it the way the Pasuk says. And as we're going to see, uh, an Evadivi cannot choose to be a Nirtsa unless he actually was given this slave woman and had children with them, and therefore would allow him to say, you know, so therefore, since the only reason an Kohen is excluded from being Nirtza is because of the Balmum issue, it proves that the other thing could happen to him, and therefore he can be given a female slave to have children with. Okay. Vesulo and Sulomidi, and you gotta love when the Gemara says Sulomidi. End of discussion. There is nothing more to be said. It is clearly Shmuel's position is wrong, um, and therefore, yes, a, a Cohen can get a Shifra Kananis. Okay, Ibailu. Now they ask, once we're on this a roll, we're gonna ask another question, go a little off topic. Um, can a Kohen who goes out to war, um, interesting that the Kohenim are going out to war, um, can he go ahead, maybe he's the Kohen who's the Meshachama, anyway, um, can he go ahead and, um, and take a Yafas Torah? Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting, Yafas Torah, the, the woman that is taken captive in war, the beautiful woman that the man desires. So, hey, I guess, again, this is an interesting question. Are we assuming Kohanim are going out to war? You know, the, the, the Torah says, you know, that they can't have a Chelek, a Chelek, lo they don't have a chalik in the biza. Are they entitled to take women, to take slave captives, to take booty? The Gemara somehow assumes that's not a problem. Okay, and wants to know: Does the Torah allow yifas Torah? So mab yifas Torah. It's a chiddush that the Torah allowed this. Lo shna kohen v'lo shna Yisrael. It doesn't matter kohen Yisrael. Ol dilma shani kohenim over yibem mitzvah Yisrael. So maybe kohenim are different because they have extra mitzvahs. Now we're going to see. In a, well, let's read a little bit further. Okay, and again, specifically mitzvahs that have to do with the women that they can marry and have sex with. Rav Amar Moteh v'shmol Amar Av. Also, Rav says it's permissible. Shmol says it's forbidden. The, when it comes to having sex the first time with this woman, 
Everybody agrees it's permissible. Uh, the Torah, why did the Torah allow this? Because the Torah knew that, I mean, it obviously is an immoral act and it uh, violates, you know, other principles in the Torah. You know, we'll discuss in a minute exactly what mitzvahs it goes against and so on. But clearly it's not something that normally would be allowed. Um, also because it says, Yifas Torah, beautiful, right? It clearly means that, that it's speaking to the fact that this person is feeling a lust and a desire. So this is a concession. Since it's a concession and not something that's like a by any means, so therefore, you know, if people, if men have, are at war and they have this lust and desire and the Torah has to give them a concession, maybe that concession, of course, we're completely ignoring here the woman who's being raped and so on and all of that. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, so clearly the Torah would have to give that concession to Kohanim as well, you know? If it's going to allow to Israel, it's going to allow to Kohen, is the lust of the moment. You can't make a distinction there. Okay? Um, when, you know, you know what, the, the debate is about the second act of sex. I'll also discuss in a minute first act and second act. Rav Amar Mutter v'shmol Amar Aser. Rav says it's permissible, Shmuel says it's forbidden. Rav Amar Mutter hov ishtri ishtri. Since it was permitted, it was permitted. The first time it was permitted, so therefore the Torah is saying this whole halacha applies to a Kohen as well. Shmuel Amar Aser, it's forbidden. Why? Because by the second time, that's when after he brought her home and did this whole process and she cried for her, you know, parents and, you know, she realized that she was not going to see her people again. And the way Chazal understand what happened there is that she, she's convert. She, I mean, she's forced to convert, but she converts. Okay, and once she converts, then it's not permitting whatever was the Yafas Torah problem. Then it specifically falls into the category of what the Torah asked her to a Kohen, which is a Gioret, which is what Chazal understood Zona was Gioret, okay? And that was a, um, a you know, Gioret is, you know, whatever. I mean, Zona is a Zona, but also Gioret is, is in that category. That's a whole very sensitive and difficult topic. We're going to bracket that. This is difficult enough as it is right now. Okay, but anyway, Shmuel says, so whatever the Torah allowed, it allowed from the Yafas Torah. Now this woman, after she converts, would have a straight-on Isser of Gioret, and therefore the Torah never made that permissible, and therefore she remains forbidden. Okay. Now, what is this um, in terms of the first and the second act of sex? So it seems very clear um, although I'll mention, I'll discuss a debate in a second. That, but it seems very clear that what it means is, at the moment of war, okay, that that's stage number one, and the man sees and he lusts, and the Torah allows him to have sex with her, rape her essentially against her will, um, and um, and again, what's being focused on here is his sin, not the act of rape, and it's extremely problematic, and I have nothing to say about that. Um, um, but at least the Torah tempers it, the violence done to her and all of that, by saying he doesn't take her as a sexual slave. If he wants then to keep her, then he has to go through this process, has to, uh, she, you know, she becomes part, she, he marries her, she becomes part of the household. Again, she doesn't have a say in that, forced to convert against her will and so on, but it is significantly different than what used to be, which was just, you know, raping women on the battlefield and then taking them as sexual slaves. So, those are the two stages, stage one and stage two, and again, there is nothing to say about the fact that, you know, that the Gemara is, you know, um, that that rape is going on here and the impact of that on the woman and how that is not being looked at. Um, Okay, now, 
You know, part of this ambiguity, right, is that it says, the Pasuk says, You desire, take her as a wife, take her into your house, do this whole process, and afterwards you can have sex with her. So if you actually think about it, the Pasukim sound like no sex happens right there. Sex happens after the whole process. Um, I mean, there doesn't mean, presumably doesn't mean take her, uh, you know, it means take her to be your wife and then this is the whole process you're going to have to go through. Okay, but somehow the Chazal understand that because that, and there's v'chashaktaba, the, the, the lust, the desire, it has to be that or whatever, it's, I don't know where they're singing in the Pasuk, but somehow even before there's going to be that first b'arishona. So, um, so, according to um, this debate, they both say that it has to be allowed to the Kohen, but they're debating afterwards. Rav says that once she was allowed, allowed, the Isser of Giorit is being bracketed, and Shmuel says, no, then he falls into a new category, totally Usser. We'll read another version of this debate, and then I want to sort of discuss Rashi's position. So, the Gemara says like this, Igadami, others say, Everybody agrees after the whole process or whatever, she's forbidden because she's a Giora. So the coin does not have the option of taking her home and making her his wife. The debate is the first act of sex. Rav says, look, the Torah is waiving the Isur that applies to a Yisrael, so it will also waive the Isur that applies to a Kohen, and Shmuel, and, and, and therefore, you know, there's no real difference in the Bia Rishona. She's not a Yorit, it's not marriage. But Shmuel, Amar, and Shmuel says, No, any woman for whom the whole process isn't allowed, that she cannot end up into marriage, we don't, uh, the Torah never allowed the first act of sex to begin with. Okay, now what's not been explained is what exact Isser is the Torah permitting? You know, again, it's rape, it's horrific, it's violence against the woman. Um, but, you know, from the Gemara's perspective of the halachas here, um, you know, we had a, a, you know, is there a prohibition of having uh, sex with a non-Jewish woman? The Torah speaks about lotit chatenban, which is about intermarriage, and it's specifically in the context they're talking about the seven Canaanite nations. You know, there's a whole discussion in Avodah Zarah about what is the nature of, you know, sex with a non-Jewish woman, although based on the story of Pinchas, definitely there's the point about Kanaim Pogiba, that in public, which is presumably, you know, the case here, um, even non-marriage context, you know, any non-Jewish woman, it would be consent of Kanaim Pogiba, it would clearly be usher in the Torah. So it's an interesting discussion which gets discussed at length in Avodah and elsewhere about the nature of the Isser, but there's understood that clearly there's going to be an Isser, you know, of sex with this non-Jewish woman, um, besides the fact that it's rape, rape and that the Torah is allowing. But let's see now in terms of exactly the nature of the Isser gets, whatever, gets problematized or referred to in this next line. So let's take a look. And then we're going to go back to the issue of first sex and second sex. Okay, Tanarbana, Vraisa Bashivya, you shall see in captivity. Um Bashat Shviya. 
So at the time of captivity, which again, according to um, um, you know um, the simple reading of the Gemara, that the first act of sex is on the battlefield. So that's what Peshat means, that it has to be like at that moment, you know, that's that first act of sex at that moment. Rashi, if you look at Rashi, first wide line at the bottom, So Rashi says we're not talking about sex, it means that at that moment of the battle and of captivity, immediately at that moment, that's when the guy said, ah, I, I, you know, I want her, I want to have sex with her, I want her for my wife. That's how that whole process begins, not first he took her as a slave and then the desire came later. Okay? Um, um, Eshet, a wife, even if she's married to a, even if she's married. Now, this is interesting because normally halacha does not recognize, meaning for non-Jews, one of the shevamits is B'nai Noach is adultery. You know, v'davak b'ishto, his wife, alo b'eishas chavero. However, in other areas, it's clear that, you know, vis-a-vis the status for Jews, we don't recognize the institution of marriage that exists amongst non-Jews, and she does not have a status of a married woman. So why they would have to say Ashes ish is funny, because it doesn't make her more forbidden to Jews. So there's two interesting answers to that. One is Tosos. Tosos actually says no. Um, the pasuk that says... Um, is actually applies to Jews as well. And therefore, even though it's not the Isser of Lotinaf, the Isser of adultery, which is punishable by stoning, if a, if a Jewish man had sex with a non-Jewish woman married, who was married to a non-Jewish man, that would be a violation of That's what Tosa says. And the Torah is permitting it here. Ramban says it's not about Isser. I mean, a technical iser. Ramban says it's still even more mechuar hadavar. You know, it's even more disgusting to be doing this, to be taking her and taking her, basically forcing, you know, raping her, taking her away from her household, her husband. It's even more disgusting if, you know, she's married. And especially because he goes on to say the process is to get her to cry and abandon her household and so on and to, um, you know, to resign herself to her fate and to be, finally, to be your wife. And it. Remain, you know, it's even more problematic if she's always if she's thinking about her first husband. So, and nevertheless, the Torah allows it. Yifas Toar, a beautiful woman. Lo This is where we have the idea that this is a concession, other than hopefully we would think that anyway, but because it speaks about how beautiful she is. And the Allah says she doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to be this, you want her. You, this man, want her. But it's describing her as this to explain to you that there is this Yetzirah, you know, that's also the Vechashakta, that has to somehow be given some type of a outlet. Okay. Now, here we get to the tricky part. Mutav shiyochlu Yisrael basar t'mutot shchutot, ve'al yochlu basar t'mutot nevelot. Better that Jews should eat, you know, um, meat that was from a, a deathly cow, a cow that was, about, was in the process of dying, but at least you shechted it before it died, so it was very problematic, it was very close to being usser, because, you know, if it had died, it would be an avela, but you made it technically mutter, so nobody is happy with that situation. Also probably not too healthy. But okay, better you should do that than to eat the meat than it actually died and became an avela. Which basically means that we have to somehow, it's sometimes the choice, you know, it's between, you know, it's, it's between two bad options. Better to do something that is, that is you know, 
unseemly, even despicable, even whatever, but at least it's on this side of being mutter rather than being on the other side of being usher. And this actually is a line, now at the top of Chafbet Amdalf, I should have said, this actually is a line that is used sometimes in postkim, you know, to make their peace with less than ideal situations because the alternative is even worse. Now the question is, what would have been the what would have been the isser, meaning how is it more mutter than what the alternative would have been? So Ramban says that the isser that the Torah, I mean, what's the isser that the Torah is protecting us from, you know, that would have been even worse? So the Ramban says the isser that the Torah is protecting us from is, is that the man would have basically decided to have you know, kept her and married her as a non-Jew, not gone through this whole gayrus process, you know, or kept on sleeping with her, with or without marriage. And that would have been a violation of Lotit Khatimbam. You know, the Pasuk says, So it sounds like the man actually wants to marry her, not just have that first act of sex, okay? So therefore the Torah is allowing it not through, again, it's not concerned with right here with the woman and what it's doing to the woman. The Torah is allowing it to do it by making her a gioret, maybe against her, her will, but going through a process that makes her gioret, and therefore that's like, you know, excuse the analogy, but the more I'm making it, shechting the cow that's dying, all right, like, you know, it almost, whatever, you, you, you saved her at the last minute because you made her a gioret, like you forced the gioret on her, but you made her a gioret, and now you're going to have, be able to do it in a, in a, in a heter way, rather than being married to her as a non-Jew. Now, how about that first act of sex? Okay, the first act of sex also is a little bit more kosher because it's part of this process of being married to her in a heter way and not about, a, you know, a, a, a being married to her as a non-Jew. Anyway, that's how the Torah made it a little bit more on this side of being mutter than on the other side. Okay, that is, um, that's that. Now, we're going to get to, I promise, we'll get back to this question, first act of second, second act, because I'm going to reframe it in a minute. Okay, and let's continue. The chashakta and you desire afapisha right? It doesn't have to be ifatoar as long as this man desires her. Ba velo ba not her and her friend. It only allows it with one woman. It actually will be halachically marriage because she'll be married. She'll be converted, and then the marriage will be tofes. for you for That you can't take two, one for you and one for your son, or one for your father. It's really not about two. It's really about it's only for your desire and not for somebody else. They they saw bring her, and here becomes this key word that makes us go back and question first sex versus second sex. Okay. He should not force her, the word yuchatzen is almost like press her um, um, in war. Now, what does that mean? So the simple sense of that is don't rape her in war. Wait till you get her back into the house, which is what it sounds like in the psukim. Okay? Um, and that is what Rashi says. Get back to Rashi in a minute. That's against everything we've been saying. But just for a second, for those who have been saying that no, he does have sex with her, you know, um, before he takes her home and then takes her home, goes through this process and then, you know, after that whole process, then finally, 
that's the second sex is after she converts, and then their husband and wife, a clear difference between before and after. Um, what is this? Lo So there's a range of interpretations. Um, Ramban, uh, Tosel says one is don't start the process of the 30 days or whatever. That doesn't, that's not a good, a, a good read at all. Um, Ramban has a couple of possibilities. Number one is um, some his, some others. Number one is um, don't do it there in the battlefield. Um, go, and this is Rambam actually, you know, go do it somewhere, take her somewhere into the town, don't do it out in the battlefield. Bimil Chama is the emphasis. Um, Ramban says maybe it means take her home, so, but you can have sex once before she converts. So it's still the before and after she converts, but it's not there in the battlefield. Um, that's interesting, a little better and a little worse. It's a little better in the sense that you know, it waits for the lust to abate. So if he first takes her home, maybe by the time he gets home, he'll decide he doesn't want her as a wife and have to, you know, go through this whole process and won't even have that sex the first time. So you sort of understand, if you say that, they have to wait to take her home, you understand that maybe actually this will all turn out okay for this woman. Um, on the other hand, you know, like, once he has taken her home and his lust has abated, why is the Torah letting him have sex with her against her will and before she converted? So it's a little bit of a, um, it makes it a little better and a little worse if you say that he has to wait till he takes her home even for that first sex. But I actually think in the balance makes it better because maybe therefore calm down and not being raped in the battlefield. The Urayim has um, a, uh, um, a, a really interesting explanation. He says that you can't force her, that the Torah allowed this first act of sex only if she cons- if, if, it's, if, if you know if, if it's with her consent. Now one could ask how much consent is it a woman taken captive you know in the battlefield and so on? Okay, but at least you know it's not an act of like violent rape. Um, and it really has to be that she has to say that she's okay with it. So that's quite fascinating. That's uh, really important that it takes that, that first, either it's with her, the sex is going to happen either with her consent at the battlefield or after this gayer's process, which she doesn't have a say in, but nevertheless, right, makes it all a little bit, a little bit more manageable. Okay, uh, still horrific, but a little bit more manageable. Okay, so those are various explanations of lo yichot And one other is that it's only once, it can't be more than once. Okay, let's go back to Rashi, who reads it as you know, wait till after the whole process and only then have sex with her. So for Rashi, no raping, no sex in the battlefield, none when she comes home. Everything only happens after the whole process has happened. Um, And according to that, you know, A, really gives him time to come down a whole month and that makes it much, much better in a way that's a simple sense of the psukim. Um, what about the big distinction the Gemara made between Bia Rishon and Bia Shnia? It's not like it's before and after the Gerus. They're both after the Gerus. So, you know, so, so according to this read, it would only be that, you know, that the point is, yes, halachically it's exact same, it's after the Gerus, but since the Deeper Torah, there was a thinking maybe that for the Kohen, remember, this was all framed in terms of the Kohen, distinguishing between Bia Rishon and Bia Shnia, that maybe the Torah would have allowed it once, but not as an ongoing especially if you understand, right, the Kohen, the emphasis is not to marry, so according to that, it's really not significant at all, first or second, it's just maybe there would have been an allowance for a Kohen just once, but basically, 
no sex, no anything until after the whole process. So that actually is a more shot of the psukim and makes it much more manageable what's happening here. Um, you know, again, it's still that she's being forced to convert against her will, but considering that people would rape women on the battlefield, take women as sexual slaves, the Torah says, if you want her, it has to be a wife and it has to go through this process. Okay, and in the end, the Yerushalmi brings out exactly both of these two opinions, which in Argimar is Rashi versus the other Rishonim. All right. Now we go back. Remember, we were talking about an Evid. All of this was a digression because of an Evid Kohen and about whether he would be allowed to have a Shifcha, which the answer was yes. Is he allowed a Yifas Torah? That's a debate. Tanur Abadan, five lines from the top of Chafbez Amadalev. Imamar Yomar Ha'Evid. Now we're dealing with this idea of the Martseya, of the piercing with the all. Adji Yomar Vyushna. He has to say it twice. Amar Yomar that he wants to say. Amar B'Tchilas Sheish, V'Lomar B'Soh Sheish, Eino Nirza. He says at the beginning of the six years and not at the end. Then that's not going to work. Shinemar, now Rashi says, you would just say it wouldn't work because we just said he has to say it twice. But Rashi says, even if he says twice at the beginning and twice at the end, it won't work. Why? Shinemar, lo I don't want to go free. So clearly it's talking about the end of the six years. All right. Now, if he says at the end and not at the beginning, that also doesn't work. Why not? He still has to be a slave. Now, you're all saying, he is still a slave, it's just at the end. So the Gemara is going to say that. Okay, let's unpack this. Okay, so if it says at the beginning, not at the end, it's because it says, it's not good, because the Torah says, and he has to be on the verge of going free. Um, okay. Uh, um, I just lost my place. Why, why should that be the only problem with saying it at the beginning of the six years? If it's mamish at the beginning, you know, we just said before about the Kohen or whatever, like he has already have been given a wife, you know, a, a non-Jewish slave. He has to have had kids with them. So clearly this pr- procedure, this process can't begin at the beginning of the six years. So, um, so that part didn't work. Why that was the reason saying at the beginning, you know, wouldn't be effective. It doesn't work to, ex- like, that's clearly not the right meaning of this breita because there's a lot of reasons, because, you know, there's even more basic reason you can't say it at the beginning. The explanation why it doesn't work to say it at the end, because he has to still be a slave. What does that mean? It's the end of six years, he's still a slave. And that's really the key to understanding this breita. It shows you that when it says at the end, it means really after the slave, after the whole avdus is done, after the six years. So the beginning means before the avdus is done, and that's how Rava is going to explain it. Amarava betchilas prutachrona besov prutachrona. It means have we gotten up to the last penny or not? Let's say you figure out. His weight, you know, based on how much his value was or whatever, he, this slave was basically bought at the cost of a penny an hour, um, let's say, okay? So in that last hour, that last hour of the six years, once you enter that last hour, he is technically still a slave, but there's no like, there, you know, it's like less than a pruta's worth, right? There's, there's, there's no like monetary money that he actually owes. He is still owned, you know, still owes to his master. 
So it's like this interesting in-between period. So during that last hour, right, he can't say it because it doesn't satisfy Atshahu Evet. He's not fully a slave in the sense that his master doesn't have an actual money claim, something worth more than a pruta against him. All right? So obviously, after the whole six is done, he obviously can't say it. He's no longer an Evet. But even in that last hour, he can't say it. Okay? So, oh, excuse me. Now, how about, not the beginning of six. It means any time up to that last hour. Now you are two hours away from him being freed. So let him say it now, okay? Now he's still fully an Eved. He, oh, there's like more than a money, uh, you, know, you know, more than a pruta that, that his master has against him. So no, that doesn't work because he's not close enough because he's not close enough to going free. So he's Eved, but he's not in the category of low Eitzei Chofshi, okay? Which is, means he's at literally the cusp of going free. So in order to satisfy both, he has to say it before the last hour is over, okay, where he's still fully ha'eved, after he has isho banim. I don't know if he has to say it the last day. He could say it any time once he has isho banim. Okay, then if he's saying it as an eved, and then he has to say it within the last hour, within the last pruta, because then he is maybe not an eved, but he's still at the cusp of going free, and it's the low eitzei Okay, so you got to time it perfectly, all right? And one wonders, you know, again, if this is being done here, you know, this being, making it so specific, making it a little bit harder to be a nirtso, which the Gemara was not happy with, that choice of being a nirtso, as we'll see. Tanar Banam. And now we're going to see a whole other new set of criteria that's going to make it harder for him to be a nirza. If he was given a wife and, you know, if he has a wife and children, meaning this shifcha knanis and the slaves that were born from it, um, and his master does not, then you can't do this process. Nirza. I love you and your household, so there has to be a household. Sometimes household is only understood to be wife, but here it's wife and children parallel to him. Let's say his master has and he doesn't. He has to be able to say, I love my wife and my children, and that's exactly why we proved that even a Kohen, this would apply, would be able to have this non-Jewish slave um, as a wife. Um, he loves his master and his master doesn't love him. You can't do this process. Because it is good to him. Now it is good to him with you. So meaning it's good for him, but it has to be it has to be reciprocal. It has to also be good for you. Rabo Oavo, the master loves him and wants to keep him on. Who ain't no this Rabo? He doesn't love his master. He loves you. Now, you might be asking if he doesn't like his master, why is he wanting to say a nirza? But there could be a lot of reasons. You know, like he says, a haft you know, and maybe he doesn't have any prospects out in the larger world. Maybe he has it, you know, it's better for him for a whole range of reasons, financial and other reasons. But if he can't say, right, um, you know, um, uh, he loves you, if he doesn't have a good relationship with his master, then he cannot do the nirza. Um, if he's sick and his master is not sick, can't do it. It has to be good. Um, and it's not good right now because he's sick. So presumably, and so it's all dependent on that last day, right? Is he going to be sick? Because now he's made it a very specific time. He has to be able to say this. Um, uh, 
Rabbi Cholev, who ain't no Cholev, his master is sick and he's not. So again, presumably at the time when he is saying this, which we now at least know when there's one specific time, that last hour, that last Putin has to say, ain't no can't do it. Imach, you have to be good with him, with you. So meaning for you also, you have to be good, you have to be healthy. Let's say they're both sick. Okay. Imach ba'inan is the emphasis on imach. They have to be equal. Va'ikan, you have it here. Odil makitovlo, it's good. And tov is, means not sick. So imach ba'inan. Vahalaka, and you don't have it. Take it. We leave that as a question. I'm not exactly sure about that because it's still not true kitovlo. And that's where we presumably learned out that he can't be a chola. Anyway, fine. Tonabon, kitovlo imach. Imach b'maychol, this is a famous gemari that we've quoted before. Okay, he has to be with you. You have to treat him equally in food. Imchab b'mishte. Drink, you know, you have to treat it, give them equal accommodations. Shalote atauha pasnikia, you can't eat white bread, vuocha paskeva, and he eats bran bread. Ata shose yain yosha, and you drink nice aged wine, vushose yain chodash, and he drinks the, the newer wine, doesn't taste as good. Literally, you have to give him all the accommodations you take for yourself. Ata yosha no gavi muchin, you have a nice feather bed of, you know, silk, you know, vuhu yosha no gavi tevin, and he sleeps on straw. So we have to give them exactly equal accommodations. I mean, this is going to be a high disincentive for anybody to get an Evadivri. You purchase an Evadivri. This isn't true by an Evadivri, but it's like getting a master. Now, the uh, Ramban says, what do you mean a master? It's equivalent. I mean, mean, okay, you have to provide it for him. But he says, no, because let's say you only have one pillow. Okay, you only have one pillow, so, um, you know, you can't keep it for yourself because that would make you... Um, unequal, it's not imach. You can't take the choice, neither of us will have it, because that's a type of like a mida sedom, like, you know, you're just like, you know, it's like a zen in it, you know, you're, you're just holding back something that could be good for somebody for no reason. So you have to give it to him. So actually, if you only had one, he would actually come before you. Okay, tenor banan. He will leave you, he and his children with him. So, if he was sold, who sold his kids? What do you mean his kids will leave with you? Okay, and this is the kids leaving with him means his Jewish kids, right? When the Ebedee says, I can't leave because I don't want to abandon my wife and kids, they're slaves and they're staying with the master and those were non-Jewish. But here when it says he goes free in the Yovel with his kids, that means his Jewish kids. So whoever bought his Jewish kids, okay? So from here you see that they were with him. They, he continued as opposed to the reality of slaves, you know, which way they ripped apart families and all of that. Here the family was kept together and they were with him. And not only that, the master had to provide for them. Okay? I assume his owners here also means lodging. You know, if he was married, his wife goes out. What do you mean go out with him? How is she with him to begin with? Has to also provide food for the for the wife. You need to say both. If it said provide for the kids, because the kids can't work for themselves, so obviously the master has to provide, or more obvious than the wife. But the wife, she can go ahead and work and feed herself. Let her go ahead, and master shouldn't have to pay for her. Let her go ahead and make get her own employment. 
it. Okay, which wasn't so easy in the ancient world. It's a wife to love dircha la dure. A woman, you know, it's not a you know the normal thing for her to go around begging. Um, you know, it would not be seen as as proper. You know, putting herself to 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 be knocking on everybody's on strangers' doors. Okay, so she doesn't have an opportunity to get funds through you know through begging. Um, but kids, you know, who would be normal for them to go beg, aim a low, maybe you should say, let them go beg. So no, he has to provide for both of them. Top of we're only going to go to the Mishnah today. If it just said, not in his ear and in the door, it just said, his ear in the door. Put his ear against the door, but just pierce into the door. So it has to say, it goes through his ear and through the door. So, um, um, that I would have thought just the uh, um, just the door and not the and not and not the ear. So it had to tell me beazno. Mar says vaoz and lo. How could I have thought not the ear? Vaksiv, you are quoting a pasuk in Vayikra, but you go amdvarim rather. You quote the pasuk in Shemos. Ratzad unavis has no It says he should pierce his ear with an awl. So what could I have thought? Obviously, it was the ear. Okay, fine. Ella he's yomer yurtzenel ozen me varai. First, pierce the ear. You know, with you know, on the outside, not when it's against the door. You do two things. You pierce the ear, but not through the ear and through the door in one piercing. You just pierce the ear. Then, if it had said you know, then you would have said, you know, you put his ear against the door, you make a hole in the door, and then you somehow line them up or something. Would have been a little crazy, but okay. Anyway, that's why I had to say, You pierce through the ear, the ear is against the door until you get to the door. Okay, Dallas, a door. Shomani bein akura vein shein akura. Maybe whether it's detached or not detached. Tamlomer mizuzah. Right, you said you put it in the lentil or the door. Ma mizuzah muuma. The same way a mizuzah is something that's lentil. It's only called a mizuzah when it is a door frame when it is actually standing up. Otherwise, it's pieces of woods. Af Dallas nami muuma. So the door also has to be standing up. Um, okay. Um, Actually, I got that wrong. The lentil is the mashkov. I don't know what the mezuzah is called. The door frame, I guess. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, here, Yedosh is a mikrozek min chomer. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai would explain this pasuk like a chomer. What does chomer mean? Rashi says it means like a, a bag of spices. He gave a beautiful explanation. Tosu says it means story, and I actually like Tosu's read. He gave a story to explain as a mashal what's going on in, the, in these psukim. Let's take a look. I'm sure everybody has heard of this. Why was the ear the one that was chosen to be pierced? When I said on Harsinai, are my slaves and they're, you know, they're only to be me, I freed them so that they would only be serving me, not serving other people. Okay? This one went and he got a master for himself. He made himself a slave to a slave in the sense of, you know, every Jew is a slave or a servant to God. And now this person made himself a slave to that servant to God. Anyway, so the whole point was to be freed from, from slavery. And now you're going to make yourself a slave? 
So that ear has to be pierced. Right? It's actually interesting, right, that Mishpatim starts with the whole idea about slaves and freeing them after six years and so on. It doesn't completely eradicate the institution of slavery, but the idea that one of the first laws given after Maimed HaSinai is about, you know, and is about how do you sort of free your slaves. Okay. Rebbe also would do a similar, gave a similar reading of this pasuk. He focused on the door. Why the door and the doorpost? They were the witnesses in Egypt when I jumped over, you know, the lentil and the doorposts. That's the word doorpost. Um, um, and I said they're my slaves, right? And they're, they're, they're meant to be free. I took him out of slavery to freedom. And he went ahead and he made a master. He should have it pierced in the presence of the door, like to say these are these are your agim about how you should not be making a slave, and we're going to and, and you're still choosing to make yourself a slave. Now the first case, of course, you know I don't understand, you know. What about the first six years? Well, I mean, the first six years, he was, uh, st- he, he was a Ghanav. He shouldn't have been a Ghanav, but he wasn't choosing slavery. And somebody who's Mocher Atzmo also, maybe the point is, is that it's one thing when, you know, your economic realities force you to do it once, but to then go ahead and do it again in Vavadoli Olam, that is something that really, you know, you have to sort of symbolize that how sort of wrong um, this is. Um, okay, we will end here, and we'll pick up with the Mishnah tomorrow.